Funding for Sundays on the East End comes from Duncan Darrow of Sag Harbor, who is the founder of Fighting Chance, a free cancer counseling center for the East End for 18 years. Learn more online at fightingchance.org. So welcome. Here we are on uh, Sundays on the East End with Alex Oclo and Bridget Leroy. But Alec is not here. My guest co-host today is the brilliant Hamptons party girl, Dawn Watson herself. Yay! Woohoo! Yay. Thanks for having oh, me, Bridget. Oh, it's so great to have you, Dawn. We're, we're old friends and really appreciate you being with us here on uh, 88.3 WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station. Uh, you can also listen to us online at 883WPPB.org or you can say... I'm going to screw everyone up right now. Alexa, play WPPB on TuneIn. <laughs> Millions of homes across the, the, the East End and beyond are now going to just tune in to WPPB well, if they weren't already. Right, right, exactly. But it's so funny because uh, if they say the word Alexa on TV, then you know my, my Alexa just completely freaks out. It's really funny. But we have a wonderful guest here today. We have Minerva Perez, who is the... Uh, um, Executive Director of OLA of Eastern Long Island, which is a, like a Latino advocacy group for, for people on the, on, and she'll, I'm sure, correct me when she comes on. But you and I were having a little talk before that just about the, the season, and uh, we try to keep it current because this might be played in the middle of summer, but let's face it, we're close to Christmas. And, you know, how, how, how do you do during the holidays, Dawn? Well, I think, you know, there was maybe a before and after time for me. So before I met the love of my life, um, holidays could be a little bit tragic. Um, but since, you know, I have a family. And before I had a family with him, of course, I have a family of my own. Right, but, right. you know, before I had a family with them, I created my family out of everyone here on the East End. Like this, this even though I was brought up in the Midwest and then I lived in New York City for a long time, I came here, gosh, 15 plus years ago. Uh -huh. and, and the East End became my home. And the people who live here most definitely became my family. So that, that buoyed me when uh, in times of trouble. Well, that is one of the things we'll be yeah. discussing with Minerva when she comes on as well about family, community. Um, and, and I've just found that out, like, literally just now on my way here. You know, I do believe that after a certain point, um, you know, as an adult, there are no victims, only volunteers in, oh, your, you know, in your life and what you're dealing with. But I did put a little bit of a boo-hoo-hoo -hoo kind of thing up on Facebook. Just how I miss my dad this time of year. It's, yeah. it's hard, you know, even though he's been gone a long time. And, and within, you know, 20 minutes, at least five of my girlfriends, including our mutual friend Kate Muth and, and, and Lynn Blumenfeld and all these people had reached out to me privately. I love that. Just this to is, say, yeah. you know, we love you, Bridge. That's and the great thing about being here. And that's the great thing about being, I mean, it, it, it is so uplifting. I did not respond because I was probably driving here. Oh, come um, on. <laughs> you, you probably were just thinking, ah, she's just feeling sorry for herself. No, uh, never. Boo -hoo -hoo, but no, but it, it's, it's amazing how it can just hit me um, right around the holidays where everything is going absolutely wonderfully well. I mean, my life right now is beyond. Yeah. I mean, it's just excellent. Uh, it really is. I mean, to have lost all this weight, to not be in pain, to, you know, to have the people in my life, to have the job I have, to ha it, just everything is so amazing. And then suddenly one day I'll wake up and there'll just be this, this gray veil. And it's depression, and it mm -hmm. just happens, and and it's part of who I am. It just it happens at this time of year, and it's not sadness. It's not based on an event that occurred, and I think a lot of people feel that. Don't don't you think so? I think so, and I think you know one of the other things that that you brought up that I think touches you, and I so completely understand this, and have kind of a, a kinship here is when you are somebody who is a high energy person who's out and about all the time, and um, who is always 
on for whether that's your personality or because it's part of your function in your in your life as your job there is a time when you need to recharge and I know I have the same thing where I'm out and and going and amazing and everything is wonderful and then sometimes I just got to go home and like sit in front of the television or read a book for 24 hours and then just re- kind of recharge. Well, we're and extroverted introverts. And I, I, that's so funny because people always say this about, and I know you are, we are yeah. so similar with this, because I am not an extrovert. No. Um, and people are like, no, you come on, you're Hampton's party girl, you're out and about, you're the blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I am a person who would rather sit at home and read a book right, and all day are, long. And, and it's funny because, yeah. again, I'm, I'm, I'm like hashtag Facebook fabulous. You know, I'll put my whole <laughs> life on Facebook. You are but fabulous. I, but I'm not. I'm putting, I'm putting like... <laughs> Six hours out of my day on Facebook, and then there's a whole 18 hours, only another six of which are sleep, which I'm mm-hmm. not putting on Facebook. And a lot of that is, of course, just work and grind and all that kind of stuff. But there's also the, the recharging. And I really love that idea of like recharging a phone because I get like down to that last yeah. bar. And I'm like, oh, God, now now I really have to just get home and just, you know. And even when uh, Eric and I just, my husband and I just went down to um, Miami for my daughter Georgia's in a play, as you know. It's a brand new Lyle Kessler world premiere, House on Fire. It's a very big deal that she's down there, and she was fantastic. And the play is amazing. So I am giving a little plug to that, not on purpose. But um, but Eric also wanted to go down to all the art shows in Miami, mm-hmm. and I did one day. And the second day, I was like, you, and, and I had to cancel with with friends that, that you know that, that are down there and stuff like that. But I just needed a, a day with, with a book. Yeah, I, I do that all the time when we travel. Literature. Like if you're out and about, the whole, you know, you're you're walking. I remember when we went to Copenhagen. Um, we did 30 miles walking in three days, and let me tell you, that fourth day, I was like, "You go out and do something, honey. I'm done. I'm going to sit here in my robe and I'm going to get a massage. And this is this is oh. living life for me." I had my nails done. Yeah, See, nice, very pretty, very very kind of very pretty flor- Floridian looking. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we're uh, we're on uh, Sundays on the East End here. You're listening to Bridget Leroy and Don Watson. We're going to have our guest Minerva Perez come on and talk about arts and advocacy and all kinds of other stuff. Don, how did you end up in the arts coming from the Midwest? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I was a theater nerd in high school, of course. I was Me Dorothy too. in my um, – As it, rem- I, I have a great Bridget story, actually, oh, to no. tell about this. I was Dorothy in my high school um, production of The Wizard of Oz, which – you and I knew each other for a while before this because I was already at the press when this happened. But we were at Guild Hall. Um, it was a S- Stephen Hamilton show. I can't remember what it was, but we were up on the Maybe stage Cripple? sitting. Because George was. No, it was. I want to say it was before Vanya? Cripple. It could have been. But Equus was Uncle was Vanya. The, yeah, maybe it's Vanya. It was a long time ago. Anyway, yeah. so we're sitting there, and it's the summertime, enough to wear a skirt. And I crossed my legs, and. Um, I have a tattoo of Dorothy's ruby slippers on my right inner ankle, which <laughs> I, I, I regret to my end days, of I course. I literally just remembered this. Yeah. And so you looked down and you said, oh, my God, are those Dorothy's ruby slippers? And I said, yes, folly <laughs> of my youth, even though I was 30 when I got it. And you said, <laughs> and you said, did you know my grandfather produced that, <laughs> that movie? And I was like, shut up. And so then we go through the whole thing. But I only knew you as Bridget Leroy. And I knew the Tavern yeah. on the Green thing. But I d- it didn't occur to me for some reason yeah. that that was. And I was like, that's like my favorite movie of all time. My password. No, it is no longer anymore. No worries. But I was like, my password to every single account is Dorothy. That's so funny. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. my God. And I tell this story to other people all the and time. And I, of course, have you. told I've, I've told the story repeatedly that. And I think I've ever actually said it on this show. But I love it because it's like an actress's. It's it's keeping someone in their place is that, of course, um, 
uh, Helene and Jean, you know, who do the kids, what it was the stages. Mm-hmm. Um, they, Jean Stowell and Helene, I just blanked on her name and I love her. Um, but I, Helene Leonard do yes. the um, stages and they did The Wizard of Oz one year and Georgia, of course, being, you know, the great granddaughter of Mervyn Leroy, assumed she would get the part of Dorothy and always wore Dorothy clothes and was obsessed with Dorothy. Well, she and all looks that like stuff. Dorothy. I mean, let's she does. Well, yeah. You know what part she got? Munchkin number 11. <laughs> Did she? Oh, I that's hilarious. Her. I love telling her that story. So every once in a while, like, she'll get a great part. And I'm like, just remember, Georgia, tomorrow you could be munchkin number 11. Oh, so, an actress's that. life. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back with Minerva Perez. We're here Sundays on the East End on 88.3 WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station. And it's Bridget Leroy here with Don Watson. And we'll be back right after this message. 365 days a year, WPPB is working for you on the air and on our website. WPPB has a helpful community calendar on our site. Just go to 883WPPB.org to the community calendar tab and tell us about your activity or event. It's free, easy, and fast. WPPB is the voice of the community, 365 days a year, seven days a week, on the air and online. Spread the word about your community events. Go to 883WPPB.org. And we're back Sundays on the East End here with Bridget Leroy and my guest host, Dawn Watson, Hampton's Party Girl. So glad to have you here. Thank you. And uh, you're listening to us on 88.3 WPPB, and we are bringing on our guest, Minerva Perez. Hi, Minerva. How are you? I'm really great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank it's, you both. It's been wonderful just to have you while Dawn and I have been having our little back and forth because <laughs> you're such an actress. You're, you're nodding your head or you're kind of like miming things. <laughs> Active listening. Active <laughs> listening. That's what I'm going to call what I do, but it's actually talking. So. <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad to have you here. And uh, how, you know, we were talking about, let's talk about our arts journey, because we were just talking, Don. if you want to continue, you said you were kind of a theater nerd, and Minerva, jump in if you want. I mean, I think we all started kind of early as theater nerds. I think we, we would probably rather hear Minerva talk, since she, she is the featured uh, <laughs> oh, speaker. Oh, sure, I don't okay, wanna, well, I just felt uh, like Well, that. no, thank, no yeah. but I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm tired of hearing me. I have to say, though, before we go into anything else, Minerva has the most beautiful looking and sounding laugh. I don't know if you noticed, while we're chatting, and she's laughing well, now the you have beautiful on. teeth and you're, and when you're when you laugh your mouth which nobody can see this oh because gosh. we're on the radio it is quite <laughs> stunning you are yeah. you are beautiful right, and you do it. have a great laugh but now you're completely self-conscious I'm so about sorry it, so I'm never leaving the studio just so you know you have to stay here with me for the rest of my life this is the happy place <laughs> you're known as being the executive director of Ola of, of Eastern Long mm-hmm. Island and before that being the the director of the retreat for six shelter. years their the shelter mm-hmm. um, which is some really heavy-duty stuff but you mm-hmm. you really you, your journey started with the arts it did yeah and it continues so it, the uh, arts have to have to be woven in there otherwise I would not be a very 
happy person or I wouldn't be a productive person either. And I do have to uh, kind of jump on to the, the well, the, no, I was in the whiz. I was the tin person in the whiz. And, and the tin school, person. So we all have our connections, evidently. Oh, I, <laughs> I was the tin person. And you know that Tony designed that. My stepfather designed the movie of the whiz. I did so, not know that. So I was on the set of that like every day, Nipsey Russell. Oh he did the sets and costumes. He was nominated for two Oscars for that. No, I'm not trying to boast. I mean, it's just so weird, these connections with yes, Ruby Slippers. And, yeah. and I went to the opening night on Broadway of The Wiz with my grandfather, Mervyn LaRoy, who produced the movie of The Wizard of Oz. And he was always, um, he was really known in Hollywood as being um, colorblind before that was a word. Mm -hmm. uh, Lena Horne, of course, was in the movie of The Wiz playing Glinda. And she told me that when she would eat at the um, MGM commissary, he was the only person who would come and sit with her. Um, wow. And wow. so, so, so I, want, I want to give that as a background to say that when we walked out down the red carpet and everybody was going, Mr. Leroy, what did you think of the dog? You know, what did you think of the play? What did you think of the play? He said, uh, the dog was the wrong color. Because, of course, <laughs> in The Wiz on Broadway, the dog was white because it was an all-black cast. So it, w it was his way of, of saying I didn't notice, you know, mm -hmm. every, everything was great. So mm -hmm. I, I always really mm -hmm. appreciated that he brought me up that way. Anyway, yeah. back to you, Minerva. Enough out of me. So, <laughs> all roads lead to the Wizard of Oz. Um, if you ease on down them. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Can we sing? I'm well, you just oh gave me that oh one. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, let's not do that. <laughs> Although you do sing. No, I don't. No, I cut like two karaoke songs. That's it. Which ones? I've got to learn more. Uh, one is um, Amy Winehouse. Nice. I'm no good. Okay. And the other one is um, Nicki Minaj, feeling okay. myself. <laughs> <laughs> I love Depends it. Depends on the mood and what's going on. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I told so you we were going to jump around. So, <laughs> so you, okay, so from Tin Person to, um, to running your own theater company. Well, I think, you know, I had, a, I loved sort of serious drama. My grandmother was a lover of film, and I was raised mm -hmm. by my grandparents, actually. And so I would get to see films like Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Uh, I, I love loved Jodie mm -hmm. Foster, loved Tatum O'Neill. So th these were tomboys that also could wear dresses. So they were, you know, that was, you know, Bad News Bears, you know, that's oh who God. I wanted to be. Jackie so Earl Haley, I was so in love with him. <laughs> the bad boy, always the bad, the bad boy. boy. Yes, yes. Okay. So <laughs> that when, when uh, Caddyshack was going to be filming in Davie, Florida, pretending to be Chicago and my grandfather was on sort of the team he was a, he was a teamster and he was a transportation coordinator and they hadn't cast the role yet and I auditioned for Harold Ramis and Doug Kenny and uh, and then when I read the script you? I was 12 okay and then I saw that it was a tomboy role you know which for me I was just channeling my very best Tatum O'Neill but I kind of <laughs> sucked. I, I really did. There were lines that I could have had that they took away because they were like, mm. uh, I, think, I think wooden was the, was the adjective that at one point was used. Because, oh. you know, Harold didn't really, you know, he had never really directed before, Harold Ramis. Right. And he was working with a 12-year-old, you know, and I kept trying to say this line. And he's like, but, but not so wooden. And later on Great. in years, I remember that. I was like, oh, my God. That must have been so bad. <laughs> what, a, what a first time outing for him, though, because, I mean, this is like you have a lot of kids on that set. And then you've got Bill Murray. And you You've got Rodney Dangerfield, holy, and Chevy yeah, Chase, and, Chevy and like Chase, yeah. what a fun. Just in case people don't know this, I'm just going to back up here for a second. Minerva Perez, who is the executive director of all of Eastern Long Island, <laughs> is in the movie Caddyshack as the person who throw who makes the 
duty, the, duty. Ba- the baby Ruth go into the pool. So if you go and watch it, she's sitting on the edge of the pool, and she you not you did you just throw it away or do you knock it out of someone's hand? I can't remember. Yeah, they give it to me and then I throw it. In you the water. throw it in the pool. So and then you I are also the cause jump off the. Yeah, I am the cause of duty being in the pool. You're the cause of duty being Disgusting. in the pool. Like that is that is gonna. I'm, I hate to tell you that, but that's what's gonna be on your grave. So no matter all be. the good work be. you do, a, an etching of a, of a Babe Ruth bar is fine. I in love my it. Don't you tell somebody to shave their something else too yes, in the movie? Yes, I recall that. Exactly. So we're yeah, ju- jumping off the, the diving board um, and the the lifeguard is shaving his leg. So he says, don't do whatever. And I say, hey, you shave your, you know what. Um, and, <laughs> and, then, and then other things as well. So there, I'm the youngest caddy, basically. I'm part right. of the Italian contingent the youngest caddy. Uh, oh, God. So I have to watch that movie again. Joey, Joey Denunzio. That's right. I've seen it like a million times, too. And it's I mean, how awesome. funny that we're sitting here. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's it's so funny. It's the um, the woman, I, I'm not sure if she still is, but who was the librarian at East Hampton High School. Uh, Michelle Kennedy was, her and her sister were the twins in, in Baby Boom, who were used in the <laughs> movie Baby Boom. So there's like lots of people wow. here who were like. Child actors. Yeah, child or had some uh, claim, you know, moment. But but then, so you've had your taste of Baby Ruth, <laughs> Judy, Rodney <laughs> Dangerfield. Do you eat Baby Ruth or do they send you like a lifetime supply? No lifetime supply. Oh, no. Darn. Warner Brothers was great, but there's a certain point, you know, you got yeah. to cut the line. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so then you end up in, in New York, you're at Strasburg, yes. for, you went to Tisch as well. Mm-hmm. I went to N- NYU's Tisch, uh, and I stayed at Strasburg the four full years, uh, I, even though it was difficult, it was sort of a very emotional journey to be in that studio. Was Susan still still teaching? She was around, Anna? yeah, Anna she w- was around, um, but it were a few other uh, teachers that, that we had. That's so weird that we trained with some of the same people. I that know is that. so strange, I didn't know that Minerva. until today. I have to jump in because we were talking about this, but I didn't want to interrupt you then, but I'm going to now, I mean, whatever. No, you're not interrupting. But I studied under Karen Hill, who studied under Uta Hagen. Oh. And Emma went to HB. I know. Isn't that funny? So when you guys were talking about that, I was like, yeah, it's not the same, but we all have this kind of like little background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Background. Yeah. And And I'm grateful for it. It, it, You know, I don't know about you ladies, but I know Mm -hmm. for me, it really informs how I present in life sometimes. Especially well, when you're not in a good mood or when you're down or whatever, and you think, okay, so I have to, I have to inhabit uh, this this character that. Well, that brings us back yeah. to kind of depression and and, yeah. and but also just how the arts helps in every every facet Absolutely. of who yeah. you are. Absolutely, I think when I took when I ended up uh, working at the retreat, um, and I had become the uh, the shelter director there, uh, I had kind of questioned myself: why why do I believe? Why, be, why don't I believe I could do this thing? Um, and uh, and what prepared me for that? Because my background wasn't, um, I mean, I, I was lucky. It's, I think it's one in four women. So I happened to not have a domestic violence background. But working with both the survivors of domestic violence and their children, uh, working with police departments, with social service agencies, with staff, uh, 24-hour staff, I, I, so much of what I believe allowed me to do that job, and I believe I did it pretty well, was, was it a theater background. I, and, and it's a strange thing, but I think whether Was it whether that you felt like you were, could kind of like act your role no, when, no. when it, it was getting to be too much? No, or? not at all. Okay. Um, it, more, more so sort of the, the empathy piece, you know, where as an actor you're putting yourself in the shoes of, of every possible character, mm-hmm. um, so that the folks that I was working with, whether they be police department or whether they be survivor or whether they be child, that you're not just sort of lumping someone together and saying, oh, you're a 10-year-old 
from a family of trauma and from this background and this in this uh, you know neighborhood, it must mean X. No, you know, each and every person was sort of this distinct story that what what you're learning from them, how you approach um, some of the challenges is going to be very different with each. Uh, understanding motivations, seriously, understanding intentions, understanding all these things and being kind of awake and alive to every one of these moments and not allowing yourself to kind of shut down or just go on autopilot. There is no autopilot. And I think when you're when you're doing theater and you're really connected to what's going on around you, so much of that background really informed the work that I did then and what I still do to a great degree. That's amazing. Thank you. That yeah. was an incredible. Wow. I mean, and it is true. I know so many people who have had theater backgrounds and have gone into like law mm -hmm. and it's the same thing. They feel the empathy for their, you know, for the person they're representing, but it also helps them to, you know, present, to mm -hmm. prosecute, yeah. to do whatever they have to do. Mm -hmm. um, so the arts really are so important. I mean, uh, duh, but they're so important mm -hmm. to every facet mm -hmm. of of what we do in our lives. I think empathy yeah. is probably a, a huge connector there because when people are able to maybe let down their guard or focus on what the other person is that they're interacting with, they when you have that empathy, then you're creating this a, a beauty that goes out into the world. And if you are not able to be empathetic, as we know, and as I'm sure we'll talk about later, if you if you can't be empathetic, it's very hard to. Um, to see people as humans and, and not as transactions or as um, something predatory. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. interesting. I mean, I'm just realizing sitting here um, that I'm, I'm, I think I'm the only one out of us three who have children. Yes. Yeah, I have a 21-year-old. Oh, you do? I yeah, didn't I do. know that. Oh, I, I, you know what? I did know that. You have a daughter. Yes. Uh, did, I think that it's very important to have kids be in plays and do mm -hmm. arts and theater mm -hmm. um, or take classes because it does inform no matter what you know whatever profession they go into mm -hmm. it gives you a, a leg up i really believe that mm -hmm. and of course my, my sister emma you all know emma walton hamilton um has done many many talks about um, americans for the arts and mm -hmm. the um, statistics that have shown that kids just do better if they have arts mm -hmm. in their mm -hmm. schools yeah. or if they can't get it in their schools we're so lucky out here that we do have so many theater groups yeah. and so and not just theater, not just shows, not just like, which are wonderful. I'm not like in any way dissing, you know, community theater that does shows or, or Guildhall or Bay Street that put on theater, theater, but, and stages, but also things like Kate Muth, Neopolitical mm -hmm. Cowgirls, where mm -hmm. anyone can participate and um, help me out here. There's other ones, you know, the, the, that are around, um, you know, and anything where, where kids and adults can participate and discover that artistic part of themselves yeah. is so important. Yeah. Well, you got your whole being at that point then. When you, and this is, I know this is a big Kate thing too, and when you talk to her at some point on the show, um, she'll, she'll discuss this, but it's when you are able to, um, to see these things and, and break this boundary down within yourself, you are a much more whole comprehensive person. And um, I think feeling comes with that and empathy comes with that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's arts. And you know, we're, we're talking to the, uh, to the choir here, preaching to the choir here yeah, in so many ways because, <laughs> well, uh, you know, people who talk about arts and educators always say, this is the this is a building block. This is a basic. It's you know, air, food, shelter, water. Those are the basics. But arts are important too because it really does create a foundation for uh, you to be a, a person who can contribute. Well, one of the things I want to ask Minerva about is because I, I remember that you when you were a shelter director. I think I did a 
I did a soul collage or like a vision boarding mm -hmm, workshop mm -hmm, with you. Mm -hmm. So so even in the midst of doing this very serious, you know, very serious work, you were bringing arts into it as mm -hmm, a way of mm -hmm. um, tell me, tell yeah. me about that. Well, I, actually, yeah. I mean, I I, th I think art. I mean. We'll get to Ola in, in a little bit, but Ola, the, the, you know, the three main pillars of Ola are advocacy, education, and arts. And arts is there right smack in the middle mm -hmm. for, for a really good reason. But uh, at the shelter, um, every chance I could get without trying to flood a, an undisclosed location with lots of visitors, <laughs> right. which is always the balance, um, <laughs> that I was always looking to incorporate arts or music or find ways to connect that to the to the women, mainly women and children that were in the shelter. Um, what kind of feedback did you get from Oh, that? it was great feedback. We would bring people in, whether it be uh, poetry, whether it be actual physical art, or having people come in from the, the Paula Krasner house, um, the kind of work that would happen there. Um, this was at the shelter? At the shelter, yeah. Sometimes we'd bring people to places, but that was always problematic too. So depending upon what was happening and who mm -hmm. it was um, that we were able to kind of clear for coming into the shelter, we would do that and actually bring people there. Uh, Jane Hasty, she would come in with singers. Um, How amazing! And uh, and we would do this phenomenal holiday thing with song and uh, and have the shelter uh, pr residents participate in that as well. Um, and uh, we arts was huge and so when, when I did the soul when you did the soul collage uh, what I was doing I mean I wasn't was trying to give myself a plug it's no, just no, no, that I was, was aware that you were yeah. bringing arts into the retreat the shelter the, the and, shelter and but this is the shelter staff what, what I had found when I was working at the shelter was that half of that equation had to be the staff because this this was sort of a staff that they were 24 hours um, mm -hmm. they'll be there at the drop of a dime they'll be there in a snowstorm they won't leave stress. during a snowstorm high stress constantly and your lives your lives are in danger because you don't know who's going to show up um, quite honestly and um, so I wanted to make sure that some of the work that I was doing also uh, really supported and valued the, sh the staff and to kind of look at at their vision you know the vision for themselves, whether that means that they would forever be at the shelter or that we're going to move on in their lives, but you know, to support them as as real, truly unbelievable human beings that were giving themselves to this kind of work. So the vision work that you did with them was right. was was tremendous, and they really appreciated that. I think even to this day. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good place to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bridget Leroy and Don Watson, and we're talking with Minerva Perez of Olive Eastern Long Island, and you're listening to us here on Sundays on the East End, WPPB, Peconic Public Broadcasting, Long Island's only NPR station. We'll be right back. The following is a public service announcement from 88.3 WPPB. Founded in 1987, The Retreat is a nonprofit licensed domestic violence agency. It provides a number of services to help break the cycle of family violence. The Retreat offers a secure residence on the east end of Long Island and works with local, state, and national agencies to provide a safe haven, food, clothing, and support. More information at theretreatinc.org or 631-329-4398. Cada ola besa la roca y se va. Hi, everyone. We're back on Sundays on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy, and my co-host today is Dawn Watson, Hampton's party girl, and so much more than that. Oh, why, thank you. And, uh, back at you, baby. And we've been talking about arts advocacy education with Minerva Perez, who's the executive director of OLA of Eastern Long Island, or 
Organización Latinoamericana. I almost yeah, got it right. Did yeah. I get it right? You got it right. <laughs> perfectly right. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, gosh, we've had we've been talking off the air, and let's just bring that into what we're talking about: the okay. arts and and Ola and. I mean, honestly, when you were Joey D'Annunzio, the uh, Italian in Caddyshack, <laughs> did you ever think you'd be like poster girl for the Latino community of Eastern Long Island? I mean, how did that happen? Uh, well, I don't like bullies. So, you know, in the same way that I got connected to the retreat and why that work kind of informed and kind of defined who I was uh, at that time, I still very feel very much connected to that work as well. And I do that within Ola as well. So the kind of advocacy that we give and the focus that I have on domestic violence and sexual assault and crimes against children is very much from my days of the retreat. And so I bring that in when I'm having conversations with law enforcement and doing Latino diversity training with law enforcement, as I've done for all of Southampton Town Police personnel and all of Riverhead Police personnel. That conversation is center of, of, of that. Well, how did someone who is a, an actress and a theater director and running a theater get into talking to law enforcement? You, you know, did you have to have some kind of training? I mean, what did you... How did you get into that, Minerva? I mean, that sounds so, like, such an incredibly, those shoes are big to fill. I mean, you do it. You do it. But yeah. how did you get into that? Thank you. I think it took a while to kind of be comfortable with the fact that, yeah, it, it's actually working, and I don't pretend to be perfect, and I don't have any, I don't have most of the answers, but being willi willing to go forward, even when you don't have the answers, and learn them as you go, and I mean, that that has been something that I finally have allowed myself to do and, and be okay with, but I think uh, maybe being on the East End, and when I came out here, which was about 2004, and starting to see what was going on with Steve Levy, and what was happening uh, during that mm -hmm. administration, and all the anti-immigrant sentiment, uh, knowing what had happened in Farmingville, and then sure what enough, happened in Farmingville for those who don't. Oh know. yeah, the day laborers being uh, beaten almost to death in okay. Farmingville, um, and, uh, and that happened uh, before 2004. Uh, but then, uh, sure enough, as a result of a lot of anti-immigrant sentiment, Marcelo Lucero happened, and that right. was in Patchogue, and that was something that is fueled by hate and fear and all of these things. And when our leadership foments, um, foments. that kind of sentiment, uh, th this, this is definitely what happens after that, and that was back in 2006. So when I was living out here, fresh from Brooklyn, fresh from divorce um, and kind of finding my way in the east end of Long Island uh, with my young daughter uh, trying to figure out, okay, how do I exist out here in this strange land called the Hamptons? Um, <laughs> that, that little by little, it took about five years, my first community that I connected to uh, was the theater community and that was Kate and Josh mm -hmm. out at Guild oh, Hall. And that's I Kate Muth and Josh Gladstone, yes. we love them. And I had auditioned for the Cherry Orchard because I thought, why not? I need to find my people. And, uh, and, and I did find my people, and thank heaven. So they kind of helped ground me. And then little by little, I learned more uh, of who was helping out the Latino community. And that was Isabel Sepulveda de Scanlon, and that was yes. Ola. I got involved in 2006 and became the volunteer executive director, as I also had a full-time job as a pharmaceutical rec recruiter because I had to pay the bills. <laughs> And, uh, is there anyone out here who only has one job? If no, they do, I, I want them to so. call this station because we not no, we I, all I have at least two or three. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Dawn, you're Hamptons party girl. You work for Element as well. I yeah, mean, I do PR for Element. I have um, I've it's still writing uh, for a couple of series. I'm uh, I'm um, uh, 
I, not emeritus editor, but I'm I'm on the masthead for a magazine. I was on the masthead for a paper. I have to say, I was also a recruiter and in pharmaceuticals. By the really? way, really? Really? Oh, my yeah, no. oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, wait, wait, wait. This is connection. I have not. Okay, I have not been a pharmaceutical recruiter, but I have taken many pharmaceuticals <laughs> in my life. <laughs> that counts. That counts somehow. I was your biggest oh, fan. Let's just say that. But that was a long time ago. We're going way back. Oh, but anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. But uh, it, the Connections. I mean, and that's what yeah. this show is yeah. about: connections and community yes. and and family. Well, when you and when you have those connections, isn't it funny? Because we're sitting here, we all know each other before. But mm-hmm. when you're sitting here and you have a conversation with somebody, and somebody maybe you don't know, or somebody who's different from you, the second you sit down and start talking and and realize that you do have these connections, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. humanizes that other person. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a fascinating kind well, I of think that's theme what, and topic for what we're doing today. And I'm Absolutely. sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to step on you. I think that's, that's yeah. very much what Minerva is doing w- with Ola is humanizing mm-hmm. the Latino community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the people who like having the film festivals and things yeah. like that, and inviting everybody in for that, it's 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 an interesting thing because um, in one it, in one turn, uh, you know, having celebrating the arts and celebrating the arts and culture that exist already within our Latino community and our East End that have been here for a long time. I mean, Latino members of our community have been here for 20, 30 years. Uh, so when sometimes when I hear the word influx used, oh God. I have to like take myself out of the room and like mm-hmm. bite really hard in, the, in my inner <laughs> cheek because I, it's hard. You know, 30 years yeah. is not an influx. But our East End schools, um, you know, on average are about 45% Latino student body. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean undocumented. That means right. Latino student body, many of whom don't even speak Spanish uh, be- for whatever reasons. And unfortunately, what we're dealing with right now is not encouraging a lot of teens to uh, to hold tight and hold on to their culture and language as well as They're tr- they want to amalgamate. Cultures and new, right. Yeah, they, they'll, they'll not, not amalgamate is one thing when you kind of uh, want to completely annihilate it, uh, your own culture and your and your language uh, that's yeah. not okay I think that yeah. you know I mean just to, to go back you know mm-hmm. 50 60 70 years I mean the same thing kind of happened to the Jewish community a lot was mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. you know uh, I mean now people can be proud of being Jewish but I know that in my grandfather's time I mean he definitely amalgamated he did not you know I, I wouldn't say he was an anti-semitic Jew because he wasn't mm-hmm. but you wanted to fit in when yeah. Jews were being killed Sure. Do you know survival. what I mean? It's survival. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't exactly. want to be other. But there, yeah. You know, this, is happens, this happens everywhere with Irish mm-hmm. people, with gay people, with with the Latino, like, like all everybody. And then we just, once you start, you realize that we are all the same. But I that's know. what's so frustrating is because as a person with uh, that, you know, more than half a brain and uh, anyone out there, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. And yet having to say it again, having to humanize people in your community who've been living here and contributing and part of the, be- the the heart of your community and I don't mean that in a patronizing kind of way but the heart of your community having to humanize them is something that's so beneath so beneath them and yet I, st- I find that that is a big part of my job right now and it really it, it really it, upsets me and it's also mm-hmm. really um, must be the most difficult for teenagers because they're trying to fit in anyway mm-hmm. at, at mm-hmm. that age so what are some of the programs for example that uh, yeah. I mean I know Ola does so much with arts and advocacy and education what mm-hmm. can you point out something in particular that reaches that community so that they don't want to give up their culture so they're proud of who they are but yeah. still feel like they can 
you know, fit in? Yeah, well, all, all different pieces of it. So, like, with the film festival, we're trying to always look at films that um, that we could bring in a teen audience as well or a younger audience and also for little children um, and, and making sure that even that there is, that you can embrace that language and you could see it spoken um, by you people that you say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm really admiring that person or uh, what is that person bringing to bear? Or it, it's important also for the parents because the parents are trying to hang on. Maybe they're speaking Spanish in the home because right. they know the kid is learning English in school and, and trying to hang on to that. But yet at the same time, the survival instinct kicks in so that maybe you don't want your child to even have even a little bit of a Spanish language accent or any kind of accent or that you want them to just simply survive. You want them to to kind of get through this thing that we're in in a way that they are unscathed, but that's really, really difficult. We're doing some Latino teen empowerment workshops that we've done in Southampton um, High School, working with th these kids in a way, I mean, these are kids that are from 13 to 19 or 20, I think even, from all over, from Brazil, from uh, Guatemala, from Mexico, from Ecuador, from Colombia. Mm -hmm. And uh, and these are kids who don't, you know, really don't have yet a strong uh, sense of English language yet. So they're kind of, they stay a bit lumped together, mm -hmm. which isn't a great thing. we got to find better ways of sort of integrating within Well, they're all from different countries schools. as well. well I yeah, mean, exactly. that's like take a whole bunch of white people, you know, <laughs> from France and, uh, together, you yeah. know, and, mm -hmm. and Australia, yeah. you're going to have different white yeah. people. You and know and I mean? the schools are doing, especially Southampton, there's some schools that are really kind of navigating this in the best way they can. Southampton's doing some really great work, I have to say. Um, but in terms of, you know, working with these kids and, and talking about what their dreams are and, and making sure that their voices, that they know that their voices are strong and that they are the future of this, of not only this town and this community, but our country. Absolutely. That they need to feel that in a way that is positive and that is not just a burden, not just putting it on their shoulders. Oh, this is going to be your problem soon. <laughs> not that, but that right now in this moment, what are some things that are happening in your school community or in your home community of wh wherever you're living in Southampton town that you feel could be uh, addressed, should be addressed. And so what we, we broke up into groups and really had them talk about in groups sort of the nitty gritty this of how the teenagers. Do we, the teenagers yeah. yeah. How do we solve these problems? And from the very, very beginning of that, uh, how do we bring the, how do we even identify the problem? How do we research the problem to make sure that it really is a problem, that it hasn't been solved before and that we can't, you know, m you know look at what, what has happened before and not recreate the wheel. But then after that, how do they present that solution to who? Who are the powers yeah, exactly. that you present that solution to? How do you usher it through? Who do you get as allies to help you usher that through? How do you follow up on that? How do you measure talking, success of that? We're talking about really big concepts mm -hmm. when, when sometimes it's easier to organize an event like a film festival, but, mm -hmm. but to actually like you said, like to if they're breaking into groups and trying to con almost conceptualize mm -hmm. a vision, mm -hmm. and then you bring a vision, then then what? Mm -hmm. Like what? Then what, you bring you know? the, then then you, but then, then you need to be there not necessarily to do it for anyone because what Ola is trying to do in a lot of work that we're doing with adults, we're we're just finishing up a six session workshop called Your Path to Success, which sounds really cheesy, but actually it's really no. Great. I saw what you um, posted on Facebook these beautiful <laughs> I, the, the those, quotes were amazing. The quotes, oh my gosh, that was like the, the second night that we gathered. We I had asked them because I wanted to do some work on um, personal belief statements. Three women who are clearly on Facebook all the time. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow, we really oh, are. Okay. And so Sorry. the personal belief statements, you know, I, and I thought this was going to be a bit of a struggle of a concept 
duh, smack the head, you know? Right. Um, that personal belief statements that we would use, what is this phrase that is kind of your mantra, and then how do we incorporate that into sort of a public speaking thing, M meaning connect to your actual physical voice, your, your, mm -hmm. your you know, physiological voice. What's, what's yours? Did you come up with oh, one? Oh, gosh. Um, and do you have I, one? I Can do you have one. Yeah. What is have yours, Don? Here's how, here's how life has changed, actually, going back mm. to the very beginning of the show. When I was growing up, I had a, I had a difficult childhood, and my, my uh, mantra at that point was, that which does not kill us makes us stronger, the Nietzsche quote. But since I've become an adult and really have just a freaking amazing life, I'm so happy. But my, my mantra now is a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. A rising mm -hmm. tide lifts all boats. Yeah, so That's beautiful. Don. I want to be that, that tide. Beautiful. I want to contribute to that tide. And this is how I feel. This is my this is my life mantra. Mm. And mm. I'm glad that it changed from something kind of negative and survivory to something mm -hmm. that helps others. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Anyway, I bet you've got a great one. Um, I don't really. Isn't that crazy? I mean, I think I have too many of them. Uh, Your I mean, life is a, is a good <laughs> mantra, I guess. <laughs> no, I don't know. Well, mine, I, I <laughs> think, I mean, my, mine is everyone has a backstory, which is yeah. kind of like mm -hmm. yours. I mean, everyone you meet, everyone you meet is, you know, has experienced, I mean, if you go to the dark side, has experienced grief, loss, um, pain, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, pain inflicted on them. Mm -hmm. But they've also had these amazing joyful experiences everybody everybody's experienced yeah. joy or or that moment that moment of euphoria or they're related to someone famous or they mm -hmm. had some weird experience on a subway once or everybody yeah. everybody doesn't matter what color they are what's you know sexual orientation they are how old they are old people young people uh -huh, i mean uh -huh. we are all joined together because we all have stories that's yes. mm -hmm. that's like Anyway, but back to well, you, Minerva. Well, one <laughs> quote, the one quote that I was uh, still with me and I still retain it is, is argue for your limitations and sure enough, they are yours. <laughs> oh, oh, there I you go. That. Right. Yeah, so yeah. that's a really good one. I like that one yeah. because, uh, yeah. Um, but with um, with working with the teens, I mean, it's uh, what what we have around us is this kind of level of leadership that we've barely even tapped into. Well, what, tell me, tell um, me about the um, the lawyer, because you have someone new oh, on yeah. board. Tell me about that. If we go from the teens to the sure. adults, it's more more legal, but but absolutely because he's a lawyer. He's so a that lawyer. That would make sense. And uh, his, so his tell name me is about Andrew him. Strong. Andrew okay. Strong is our general counsel. Uh, we have uh, been lucky enough to find uh, this tremendous funding support uh, from Michael and Linda Donovan. I have to throw that out there. Sure. Um, and they uh, have funded him for not only one year, but three years and potentially more because they understand this is a... This when is did a, he come on board? This is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, he came yeah. on board um, about, I think it's about four months or five, okay. something like that. He is a human rights attorney. Uh, he was working in Kosovo for about 10 years. He prosecuted war crimes at The Hague. Wow. Um, his background is tremendous. Uh, but what's really phenomenal about him being with Ola is his sort of temperament. He he is a very soft-spoken, uh, caring person who is raising a family, a, very, a young family with his wife in Springs. So he is connected to our community. You know, he's not someone that we imported from somewhere else. He's someone that very much understands the needs of our community and the challenges and the, and the dynamics that exist with people that have lived generations and generations in East Hampton. You know, right. so the, the balancing of the needs of a Boniker, and I right. say that sincerely, you know, and the needs of a new immigrant. You know, right. what does that mean when you're living in a town called Springs? You don't just pretend like those communities didn't exist before. You don't pretend right. that there isn't a bigger conversation to have. And he. Really really gets it and uh, and I just I love working with him hearing him kind of come alive to the very specific issues and concerns of our community bring it brings tears to my eyes because it, you, you know you're looking at someone and they're really getting it and they're getting it deeply and 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 I, and I, and I love it
That's wonderful. <laughs> is is he st- strong from the strong family? I mean, is he? He's actually he not. He's here? a Chicago guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, there. Yeah. Uh, going Chicago's back to the Midwestern strong. girl over there. We all as look, I look at Dawn. Dawn. Yeah. <laughs> our, our yes, our yeah. house Midwesterner. Uh, that's wonderful that mm-hmm. that you have that. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the issues that are that are coming up? I mean. Right now, it can be so divisive um, or divisive, mm-hmm. depending on. I, let's not make division <laughs> over that. Yes. Well, the problem is when you're a writer, you read words, and then when mm-hmm. you say them, they come out completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I've discovered. Yeah, we, so. I don't want to get us off track, but did you read there was somebody who said, don't ever make fun of someone who mispronounces a word? That means they read it first. Oh, oh that's good. Isn't that yes. great? Well, that's going to be one of I remember one of the yeah. moments of that happened with me. Mm-hmm. I was really. What? I felt so shamed because I mispronounced a word and immediately the person I was talking with corrected me. And even though I wanted, I mean, I should be correct, but at the same time I was like, no, because I love words and I'm like, and it was, can I say, it it was uh, detritus. Detritus. Right. Right. I say detritus and it's detritus. Detritus, but I said uh, detritus or something like that. And we were were at an art show and I was looking at, you know, and I I like the word because I know what the word means. And I thought, okay, this is the great, this is exactly what I want to say. And he was like, oh, no, you mean this. And I you just say cringed inside. I say detritus. <laughs> you say ex- I was thinking, it's so funny because I was thinking that as she was talking. Yeah, I was like, t- keep it together, Don. Keep it to yourself. I well, love Bridget that. can't keep it together. Bridget is just one real big song. explosion. <laughs> you know, the, there's people, they say there's people like anal retentive. I'm anal explosive. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, oh, folks. Anyway, back water. to um, maybe actually we should take a break right now because we're a little hot under the collar here. We're, we're having a wonderful time here. Sunday's on the East End. It's Bridget Leroy and my co-host Dawn Watson. We are speaking with Ola Executive Director Minerva Perez uh, on WPPB, Long Island's only NPR station. Please feel free to donate anytime you like, 883WPPB.org, to keep shows like this on the air or to write them a letter and tell them to take us off the air immediately. And uh, anyway, we'll be right back after these messages. Is there someone in your life you'd like to honor? Family member, friend, an unsung hero? Nominate them for a Merci Bouquet, delivered free from Sag Harbor Florist. Send name and contact information to bonnie at 883wppb.org and listen Friday mornings on the Media Mavens on WPPB. Merci Bouquet, giving thanks to our community. Imaginar un mundo I wonder if you can Sin cielo ni infierno A brotherhood of men Imaginar la gente Viviendo en paz. Uh-huh. We're back, Sundays on the East End. This is Bridget Leroy and my guest host, Don Watson. And we're having a very animated, fiery <laughs> conversation with Minerva Perez, who's executive director of Ola of Eastern Long Island. And we were just talking during the break about um, Ola not uh, maybe being misunderstood as being a direct service organization it isn't so can you describe more of what it is well ola is arts education and advocacy or sometimes advocacy education and arts depending (laughs) upon the day um but uh, essentially with the advocacy piece of this i will say that our goal uh has been to 
uh, be there for the community, hear what's truly going on uh, at a bunch of different levels, take that information, and then present that in sort of an unpaid consultancy type of way to some of the powers that be to kind of look at what are our systems, how do they exist right now? And some of them are very strong systems and they're great, you know, but really look at all of them through municipalities, right. whether that's uh, law enforcement, whether that's library systems, housing, transportation, healthcare, well, transportation education, is a huge issue mm -hmm. right all, now. all of these, you know, they're all huge issues, right. but kind of look at these existing systems so that we're not recreating a wheel and look at them, but look at them from the perspective of members of our community who are right now extraordinarily vulnerable um, and looking at some of the, you know, the pieces of, of families' lives that are crumbling that weren't crumbling two years ago. So mm -hmm. the reality is that, you know, we're, we're dealing with a community right now that about two, three years ago, uh, working hard, taking care of themselves, taking care of each other, a family, you know, focused on work ethic, on, on faith, on, on education, things are crumbling right now. We're having a problem right now that we didn't have before because right now the, there, there, are, there are things that are falling apart and they're happening in our community that we weren't experiencing before, but now we are. So our role right now is to look at where some of these pieces are crumbling and what part of our fabric and our structure in our community can be strengthened by, by, by just addressing it and, and, and talking with folks and saying, okay, this is how we think this might work better and this is how we can help with that. Um, and that, that's a, a strong piece of what we're doing right now. I think it's what's interesting is in something, especially for, for people who are listening um, now and might in the future, one thing that I feel very strongly about and we were just talking about is you don't have to be uh, Latino or Latina to be part or to advocate for for other people uh, people of color I mean you can I can I can help Ola just like I could go and help you know drop off Absolutely. kids clothes or food at uh, the retreat you know mm -hmm, I, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not abused mm -hmm. but it's the same kind of thing we're all mm -hmm. human and mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's really interesting to me about this as you're talking I'm thinking all the I don't want to ding anybody, but it's so ironic that people who are all very family first um, don't get the fact that the Latino community is so very strong in their family ties. Yeah. Yes, and this absolutely. is something that I just so admire. And I don't want to go off track too much. No, but no, you're not. I, I live in I live in a year round. There's no such thing as off track okay. on this. Okay, okay, no, 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 we're everywhere. <laughs> but I live in a year round neighborhood, uh -huh. and I love my neighborhood. I live um, on a on a like a half a mile, maybe about a mile long street, mm -hmm. and it and it dead ends. It's in West Hampton Beach, and I love it, love it, love it. And it's a lot of people who um, there are people of color there, there mm -hmm. are working class people there, there are fancy people hit there. There's a whole mix. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed since I've been here, because uh -huh. I lived in New York too, but I'm from Indiana, which is white, mm -hmm. less, <laughs> l less homogenous now. But it's my, my tr gay trans male <laughs> son just finished school exactly, there. So exactly, exactly. I know, another connection. Yeah. Yeah. But what, I, what <laughs> yeah. I found is interesting, because I walk up and down my street all the time, get a little exercise, I walk the dog, whatever, and when I see my uh, Latino or Latina neighbors, mm -hmm. I make a very, um, it's a point for me mm -hmm. to make sure to look at these people who are people who are my neighbors and mm -hmm. smile. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me, I didn't realize until I moved to this neighborhood mm -hmm. that so many people um, who are brown won't look you in the eye until you look them in the eye first here because they're, they could have mm -hmm. a fear. Mm -hmm. And God, it breaks my heart. Yeah. You know, oh, we, Dawn's getting emotional. I'm getting She's emotional seriously. She's it's going, my, and I'm going next. It's my job. It's your job. It's our mm -hmm. job. It's our job. To, to 
to be part of well, a then community. What do we do about the other side? I mean, the, here let's get yeah. let's get into a little bit of something deep just before we go. I mean, there are mm -hmm. people who are saying deport, deport. What, how do we how do we Ugh. change their mind? What what can I do? What Don't can let them I eat do? tacos, Bridget. <laughs> no, take away their tacos. That'll make them. Take away yeah. their tacos. Yeah. But no, but seriously, I mean, what what can well, we? Well, but here's do? the thing. Here's okay. the thing. What yeah. what ends up stopping everyone and bringing people to a numb halt is this idea that we're going to solve an immigration problem right here, or, or that we're going to address what's happening at the federal level at this moment. I mean, certainly there's voting and all that. What we have to remember is that on a very local level, on a hyper local level, right. that here in what's the happening right here, right now, in the five east end towns is something that we can concern ourselves with. As an example, we've got people right now that have signed up as volunteers to accompany people to court, to accompany them, to, to help drive them to doctor's appointments, because right now there is such a dearth of public transportation. We've got a $2.9 billion budget for Suffolk County, and less than 1% right. of that goes to public bus transportation. So, well, I know uh, that they are discussing more commuter rail so that's, that's not, but it's not yeah. the same thing. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. right now, because people are so afraid uh, to get around, uh, because there are there are limited ways to do that to get to work to get to the doctor's appointment to get your kid a doctor's appointment you know we started a transportation service that's free for medical appointments but then when our one and only uh, uh, staff member Alma can't actually make that appointment uh, then we have volunteers that have stepped up to say okay give us a call so, so people, we've got if, mm -hmm, if people are we listening can right now and, and they want to volunteer it's Ola of easternlongisland.org is that it? Yeah I think WW yeah, is exactly right but you can also call the office number at 631-899 3441. Uh, leave your name and number and say that you're interested in volunteering and we'll talk over all the details. Uh, but we've got people that are doing that right now that are driving people uh, to and from these medical appointments because they can't get there otherwise and they're not eligible for any other kind of help to do that, including people, uh, a, a, a young woman with, with cerebral palsy. Um, that we're getting her to and from her, her therapy appointments, occupational therapy, uh, cancer treatments, kidney dialysis. Uh, I'm talking serious levels of care that people are not going to be getting because they can't get to and from. So our transportation needs are they're huge. It's, um, it's really interesting. That's one way to help. We had Duncan Darrow on a few weeks ago from Fighting Chance, and mm -hmm. that's one of the ways people were were volunteering for for them as well, is to help mm -hmm. get at cancer patients. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that you know that you have that that issue as well. So how do we mm -hmm. get how do we? So that's a good way to get people well, in. Uh, that's just an and example of of one way one way to help. We also have people right now that are stepping up to to be uh, courtroom observers, uh, just so that we can uh, just gather a better sense of where some of that need is. Um, we are, you know, our lawyer now is looking at ways that he can uh, help directly with some of the needs um, that are happening, nonviolent, you know, um, right. offenses, not even misdemeanors, sometimes just violations or offenses. Like wh where some of the need because it's so compounded right now that you know there are certain things that could happen where you really do need an immigration lawyer right. to kind of take a, take a study at what just happened you know uh, you know one, one thing that came up recently is someone got very frustrated with me because I talked about the fact that we have a criminalized housing code uh, and I understand that it's important to get things done and sometimes if you don't if there's no teeth in it maybe right. someone's not going to do what they need to do but what we have to recognize is that even on a local level and local uh, uh, leadership and and town uh, town leadership and whatnot and law enforcement. We, we didn't create the environment necessarily that we're in right now, but we mm -hmm. have to acknowledge where, where we're at and what members of our community are dealing with. So if you've got a criminalized housing code and you've got, and someone says that you've got too many cars on your lawn or right. in your area, that can be something that does turn into a higher level of, of something in court where you're too afraid to go to court or it escalates and turns right. into something else. That becomes a serious issue. Yes, there are steps that have to get there 
to make that a more serious issue. But that's where we're at right now. And people right. kind of want to sort of poo-poo that and say, oh, Minerva, but, but there are steps that would have to get there before. Yeah, there are steps, and those steps can happen. And the fear of those steps existing create, a, create a, an imbalance in our community that is hurting our children a, a, for the most part. Here's something I want to say about that. I know that Bridget and I have a, have a similar um, life experience here. There have been times, maybe when I first got here, maybe when you first got back here, mm -hmm. where we couldn't afford to live on our own. No, I got my f I was I got my food from the food pantry. Yeah, the first five. My kids were on the free and reduced lunch program. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, I can't imagine. Oh God, so um, so much. I can't imagine being in a place where number one, I'm too afraid to call the police if something bad is happening to me, and number mm -hmm. two, where I'm trying to like keep a roof over my head and mm -hmm. do it in any way I can, whether I have roommates or family or whatever, mm -hmm. and someone is is upset about that. That yeah. it, it, it's yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think that if we just again, if we think about each other as people yeah. who we can connect, mm -hmm. we should never happen. Oh, I love you, Tom. I know. I'm no, so upset. No, no. I'm so I'm sorry. This I'm wouldn't sorry. happen if Alex Sokolow was here. <laughs> but wait, let's let's try to go to the warm, yeah. fuzzy place yeah. because yeah. I know that recently, and maybe it's the part of the season, people, their hearts open up like Scrooge or whatever, but I know that you've been having some really mm -hmm. wonderful things going on with Ola. Mm -hmm. Families helping families. Mm -hmm. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the good stuff that's been happening lately? Absolutely. And it's not just the seasonal thing. Um, okay, good. You know, almost any time that I've reached out to the community to to oh gosh the two of you <laughs> I'm I'm really trying to keep it together here um, that we've reached out to the community um, there has been immediate response and uh, and so recently we reached out because a mother of two who has cancer um, a, there's a danger that she might be sent to jail uh, and for nothing more than driving without a license not a DUI not an accident. Uh, driving without a license and and, and, being, um, and being Latina. I mean, well, I can't. She doesn't say that, have a license, you know. I, you know, right. and uh, and sure, you know, it, it'd be better if she wasn't driving, and no one is condoning that. But anyway, she's facing jail time, and she's got two kids. One has a 95 average, and one has a 97 average. And I'm mm -hmm. not going to talk about the town or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, when we learned that this might be happening sooner, then I had to put word out there because I. I, did, I had to reach out to the community and not for any other reason than I really needed to see is there someone in her particular town in her school district that would be able to step up and sign on not as a legal guardian and not to go to court and take custody of, of her children but, just to take but care in a of temporary in a temporary sort of legal capacity so that they could be there for the kids who could step up to do that and I thought ah, I'd have a couple of private messages oh I wish I could help but I had about 30 different families awesome um, that stepped up and said, I'm, we're ready. We're ready right now. What can we do? Let's do it right now. As it turns out, the woman, the, her date got postponed until early February. And so we're going to see what happens then. And there's an aunt that stepped up in the meanwhile. So there's a blood relative. That's an example of that. What, what continues is that families right now are uh, helping out uh, really some needy families that have in the community uh, with Christmas stuff and holiday stuff. But these families that I'm dealing with right now, they want food. So when food. I when I have to ask, uh, okay, well, what does your child like to play with? I can barely even ask that question because when I'm hearing them, not you know, trying to comprehend that. Okay, yeah, toys, toys. Okay, but I need food. 
um, that we've got people that are in, that are so in what the can, Hamptons. So what can we do? That, I mean, is it is it donating yeah. to the food pantries? I mean, because Ola is not a direct service no, organization. No. So what so can food we? Pantries, what can one person do right now after listening right to Right now, this food show? pantries for sure. But here's another problematic thing. There's a food pantry now in East Hampton that had to move because they lost their lease. They had no right. other, no other way to do it, so they moved to an area right around the police station. There's a fall off of people going to that food pantry. So because they're scared of the law enforcement. Because they're scared, and not and not because the law enforcement standing in front saying don't, no, of course. but because they're just scared. You know, mm -hmm. so you know, in terms of what what I'm trying to also do now. So even though we're not a direct service agency, reach out to Ola if you if you want to be involved in what's going on now because we have many folks. You know, our our portrait series that Philippe Cheng helped, created for us, and we're doing features faces of Latinos and non-Latinos. Older people, where, where younger is that? people. On the website, on the website you'll see it. I mean, it, the, the whole reason behind it is that a strong Ola is a healthier East End of Long Island. It you absolutely. Know? Is. We are all connected in all of this, so mm -hmm. that's that's the message there. So reach out to Ola if there's an interest that you have, whether it be with children, whether it be with teens, whether it be with the arts, uh, and helping to strengthen what we're doing. I will find wonderful things for you to do. <laughs> I'm right. sure you will. <laughs> and that's Ola of EasternLongIsland.org is the website and the number again. 631-899-3441. And we, I want to say that we have two other staff members, Sandra Dunn, who's signed on, uh, signed on with us as associate director, an amazing woman, amazing background, um, and also Alma Tovar, who is our transportation coordinator and uh, community outreach uh, advocate. That's wonderful. Um, so what are some of the positive, uh, you've been around now for since 2006 is when you started uh, volunteering, is mm -hmm, that right? Mm -hmm. So you've had 12 years kind of with Ola. What are mm -hmm. some of the positive stories maybe you've seen of maybe a teenager who's gone on to do great stuff and... Uh, I'm sure you have. Yeah, no, I, I got a bunch. I got a bunch. It's it's really hard. I'm sorry um, I put you on the spot. No, there, no, no. But it's hard because I, I also do some more. I also volunteer in East Hampton when they have the mock interviews. Oh yeah, I I've love done to that. do that yeah. because it just Deb Deb East Manzer Hampton High does School, that. Yeah. East Hampton High School. So I'm going to do it again. And uh, and every time you, these are 11th graders that you're kind of filing before you and talking about their dreams and what they want to do. And so many of them being Latino. And uh, one guy that I met, um, young guy wanted to be a Navy SEAL and then he wanted to be a police officer. So uh, when I had learned that, I reached out to the police chief and I said, you know what? Do you, what do you think about this? He said, well, I have an officer who's, uh, and this is Chief Sarlo, said I have an officer who was a Navy SEAL and now he's, you know, he's working with us in East Hampton. It's like, oh my God, can I possibly connect these two? Can I get them to sit down with each other? Um, and he said, sure. So we reached out to the officer. I, I, I'm not going to, I forget his name, but I'm not sure if he was. But so we sat down together and this boy was so kind of in awe. He almost didn't have anything to say at first. Um, uh, it kind of blurted out his status, which I wasn't expecting him to do. And I didn't even know what his status was. But mm -hmm. this officer was kind of excited by this kid's dreams but here this kid was not fully documented mm -hmm. with the dreams of of doing the same job that this man who was kind of, I think Irish uh, Irish American kind of officer and to watch them to watch them see in each other who they were you know mm -hmm. to kind of mirror in each other uh, you know I just sort of sat back and uh, I, you know that that well, you created a connection, which is what yeah, we're talking yeah, about. It yeah, is all yeah. about creating these connections and, and yeah. that everyone has a backstory mm -hmm. and what that a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. And argue for your limitations and sure enough they are yours. Yeah, there you go. So that's <laughs> all of our sayings. But that's just so amazing to and, have and had but a so, moment like so that. many more stories of, of you know, Latino members of the community helping others in our community that are not Latino 
getting them to and from places because they can't drive. Um, and, you know, I, people call out to me and say, you know, thank God for the Latino community. Otherwise, I wouldn't get to where I need to go because they're pulling over and picking this guy up on the side of the road because he can't he can't drive well, right now. But that's not also Latino. true. I mean, it's not just like the Latino community needs help. They also offer help yeah. Yeah. to yeah. others. I mean, that's that's the side we're not looking at. I yeah. mean, is that yeah. I mean, yeah. I, we haven't talked about yet yeah. and we're almost out of time. But. But that they, you know, the Latino, I mean, it's, we're all one we, community. We're the well, East Latino community. members of our community. I've had to switch right. back. Because for a while right. I, I was hearing and saying Latino community. Right. No, it's right. Latino members of our community that have been here for 20, 30 years yeah. more. Um, that, that can, you know, what's being contributed, businesses that, that, are, that are successful, that are employing other people, you know, the kind of work that they're doing through their churches. Not everyone is connected to a church, but, but many are. Um, work that's happening with the schools, with education. So there's, it's a tremendous piece of our community, uh, mm -hmm. everyone working together. And, um, and that's the thing to remember is that, that we are all connected and, and that's what Ola is, is, is looking to do and do more of and we're happy to be and here. And to remember that you uh, don't have to be a member of the East End Latino community in order to join Ola and to Absolutely help out. Absolutely not, please. And uh, come on board. <laughs> been just wonderful. I, I think we're just about out of time with our wonderful producer, Kyle Lynch. And uh, Dawn, it's just it's great, I mean, to have you as a, a guest host. And I always love seeing you. And you're such a, a wonderful beacon of light. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And um, I know I said it before right back at you. But, man, you, I, we, we used to joke all the time. We were like sisters because we, yeah. we, we, you are, you're my family. Yeah, you're and, my family. Um, mm -hmm. And Minerva. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we are all together in this. Yeah, the East End, the East End is, is an amazing place, and it is a family, and uh, and that's the thing to remember throughout it all. That there's no, there doesn't have to be a separation. We, we are all a family out here, and it's a good time to be supportive of of all of us. Um, mm -hmm. You've been listening to Sundays on the East End here with Bridget Leroy, guest host Don Watson, and our guest Minerva Perez, producer Kyle Lynch. Thank you for listening to 88.3 WPPB Peconic Public Broadcasting, Long Island's only NPR station. Be well and stay well. Thank you. Darling.